and welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat, and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 96, and today's episode, Nutrition for ADHD, I'm joined again by the incredible Lucinda Miller, founder of NatureDoc and running busy clinics across the UK, specialising in childhood nutrition. Lucinda has been practicing as a naturopathic iridologist and herbalist for 20 years and has also qualified in functional medicine. She's also a mother of three. Now, conservative estimates are that between three and five percent of the world population has ADHD. Now, clinicians would probably argue it's more like eight to ten percent. That's a staggering number. In this episode, Lucinda will share her knowledge of using nutrition to support children and adults with ADHD. And I will be recording an episode very soon, which will be looking at ways we can support children with ADHD from a behavioural perspective. Now, our give is going to be full details of how you can connect with Lucinda through her website and also her socials. And also we'll be providing a link to purchase her upcoming course if you feel that that's going to be particularly helpful. I have already signed up. So as ever, if you enjoy this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we can spread the love. So until next time, here's Lucinda. Uh, welcome, welcome everybody. I am so excited that I have got Lucinda Miller back. Um, her episode early on in the podcast, uh, if you go back and have a look at that, is one of our most downloaded episodes and Lucinda is here to join us and we're going to be talking about ADHD. So Lucinda, welcome, welcome back. Marianne, it's wonderful to be back. It's so great to see you and to catch up with you. Amazing. Now we're going to be talking about ADHD. I think what's probably really a good idea is just to start off with what got you interested in it in the first place? Well, it's really funny. Um, in fact, my very first date with my husband, um, he mentioned that he'd just been diagnosed with it. And it was probably the first time I'd ever heard of it. And then within two years, I was diagnosed. And then at least two of our children have it. And we are sort of a family, really, of neurodivergence. So... It was something that we kind of took on board and thought about. But I guess what it happened was when our eldest was really struggling with school, we realised that it was sort of causing more problems for him than maybe the rest of us. Um, so I looked into it in a lot of detail. And he was too young to even consider medication at that point. And so I thought, well, what can I do with nutrition? Because that's what I've always done. And I'd learned a lot about the gut-brain axis which is the connection with the gut bacteria in your tummy and your brain and how it makes your neurotransmitters and also how nutrition is the sort of building blocks for your brain cells and to help your brain to work. So I thought, well, let's give this a go first because he was probably five or six when it was flagged up and we knew that he wasn't going to be assessed till he was sort of seven or eight. So we had a bit of time on our hands. And so I did some lab tests and found some really interesting things going on in his system, including this imbalanced gut. And um, literally within three days of sort of changing around probiotics and things like that, he woke up in the morning and he said, Mommy, my brain's not playing hide and seek anymore. I can concentrate. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, it's like my brain's got five boys to find before my brain works like the others. 
And every few months during this sort of program that we got him on with various vitamins and minerals, probiotics, etc., he kept on saying, I can see one around the corner. And then he'd say, I found him. And then at the end, he was so funny. And he said, there's one more to find, mum. But so do all the other boys. So I'm just going to leave it at that, if that's okay. Um, so he basically felt that his brain had got to the stage that it was quite equal to all the other boys in the class. And by that point, he had started making friends. His ticks and blinks had gone away. His gut was so much better. And, you know, things like his writing. So he's very dyspraxic as well. So his writing really caught up. He could get his brain on paper. He was able just to keep up. So he'd been sort of put in the bottom set and he was now sort of middle to top set. So he just really just came up in all levels. And the loveliest thing was that he started hugging me. And before that, he used to say it hurt to hug. And suddenly he said, it feels all cozy and nice now, mummy. So that was my story with him. And that just got me really grabbed. I thought, gosh, if he, we can do that much for this little boy, what can we do for others? And I've been on a bit of a mission myself because when you have three babies, you get very fatigued and tired. And my ADHD had got quite out of control. So, um, you know, I had to do lots of nutritional things to really support my adrenals, my thyroid, my blood sugars. And those in turn really helped with my focus, my concentration and so forth. And so just I got rather hooked. And this was a long time ago because he's now nearly 22. And since then, I've been learning as much as I can about ADHD, about autism, neurodivergence and how nutrition can really help to enhance that. So it's not about trying to, you know, cure or get rid of any of these things, because I fundamentally believe that they can be super skills if your brain's working clearly and it's calm enough to be able to think out of the box, be creative. Um, you know, to have an interesting brain is always fabulous, but it's just so tough when you've got mental health problems, you've got energy problems, you've got immune problems, you've got gut problems just, you know, anxiety through the roof, all these things can really, really impact on day to day life. And a lot of people find it really difficult to get that balance. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. And we run a clinic called Nature Doc, which specializes in neurodivergence. And we're about to launch an online course on ADHD, which is really, really exciting. And I hope that that's going to be able to give a whole load of parents, but also young people, those foundations on how to help with nutrition, their ADHD. Oh, this is so amazing, Lucinda. And we will be sharing all of the links to the course. I, you know, I, it's so needed at the moment. And Lucinda, one of the things that I've become very aware of is that there's been a huge increase in the number of children that are being diagnosed with ADHD, or even what I'm seeing a lot of is adults then also being able to have almost aha moments and being able to recognise a lot of those sort of character traits. Lots of celebrities that have now been very open about their ADHD. Can you tell us with the wisdom that you've got around that sort of nutrition, what do you think is causing this sort of surge? Why are we seeing more ADHD? Well, first of all, social media does play a role. TV programmes do play a role, makes people more aware, of course. But, you know, this has always been around. And I think there's always been neurodivergent brains, just they may not have been recognised. Um, and it's really exciting these things are being recognised. The trouble is they're being medicalised. And actually, you know, yes, for autism, there's no medication. But for ADHD, there is. 
The medication can be life-changing for many people. However, it only works in a small window during the day. So it's not going to help you either side of that window. And a lot of people do have side effects. Um, you know, some people become more anxious. Some people don't sleep very well. There are all sorts, lots of people lose their appetite, which isn't great for the growing child. So there are many sort of, you know, it's not, the, it's not a perfect solution. But why are we seeing it more in terms of nutrition and so forth? So obviously there are strong genetics and, you know, we've got some incredibly interesting brains from centuries back, you know, who have had neurodivergent brains, you know, you, whether it's Einstein, whether it's um, all these people are incredible. So they've always been there. Um, maybe it's not been recognized as autism or ADHD or whatever, but it's always been there. However, I do fundamentally believe that genetics, there's this sort of way of putting this, which even, you know, Cambridge scientists will be talking about. And this is where genetics load the gun and the environment pulls the trigger, which essentially means we're all born, excuse my French, with shitty genes. <laughs> um, but what it is, is whether they're expressed or not. And so your environment, so your food, your sleep patterns, your hydration, your stress, whether you are able to detox or not, um, all these things really make a difference to whether these things are magnified or not, or expressed. So there's no one gene for autism, there's no one gene for ADHD. There are many hundreds of genes that can predispose you to these outcomes. However, if you can work on your diet, your environment, your lifestyle, then these can be dampened down. And so you'll still have these things, but they won't be as, as magnified, as exacerbated as they would have been. And I think a lot of people find that things are getting worse over the years. It's like, you know, a little child who think, well, maybe they were speaking a bit late, but they were super cute. And, you know, they never caused any problems a little bit of a fussy eater and then they get to school and they get totally overwhelmed by the environment at school they don't eat at school um, and you know these things just get worse and worse and then the anxiety kicks in the self-esteem goes down mental health kicks in so I think so often if you can start early with interventions it can make a massive difference even if you suspect and the waiting lists are so long now. I mean, I believe for adult ADHD in the south of England, it's five years now. So there's just no point just waiting for that magic bullet for this medication that might or might not make a difference. And if they do make a difference only for a window of the day, which can make you more productive, brilliant. It can make you more focused, but it's not going to solve all your problems. And I'm not saying nutrition will solve all the problems either but they can really build those foundations those strong building blocks to really help to enhance both the brain function and also to be able to help resilience and and so forth so that you don't crash because i think the biggest thing is loads of people burn out with adhd they have this adhd burnout they get you know it's almost like a ptsd where they've been going through life trying to deal with this different brain and a lot of people will say hey you know it's because the world's not set up for my brain now it's not going to change quickly you know five years to diagnosis i'm talking about 50 years till change in this environment probably so you've you know somehow we've got to adapt um, and there are so many strategies you can do to be able to cope and to be more resilient and I love the fact that, Lucinda, you talk about this idea that it's not 
that not seeing it as a sentence as such, but actually seeing it, there is the superpower and there are things that we can do to optimise the superpower and to downplay some of the aspects which cause the, the main challenges by something that surely is much more that we can be empowered and in control of, which is what we eat. Absolutely. So we, you know, most of us eat at least three times a day. People with ADHD are funny eaters often. You know, they often um, are sort of slightly driven by how much dopamine they need to make. So some are mega snackers. Some seem to binge once a day. Some seem to be a bit more consistent. Some need chocolate, some need sugar, some need savoury. We're all slightly different. um, And that can things to us so when people say what they eat we can get an idea of maybe what they might be deficient in what they might be craving and then I think the big thing is with ADHD um, what is it sort of in terms of metabolic side of things we're looking at generally and this is not always we're generally looking at someone with low dopamine which is a really really important brain hormone or neurotransmitter which helps with focus it helps with pleasure it helps with the reward and then there's often far too much adrenaline or norepinephrine and this can make you in a fight or flight state so very often the sort of standard adhd is someone who's hyperactive so they tend to be very distractible and very hyper and very on edge they tend to be quite kind of you know wired but there are lots of inattentive people which used to be called add it's now all been merged together but essentially it's attention deficit without the hyperactivity and they tend to be more dreamy um, they tend to have their head in the clouds they tend to be a bit more switched off but equally they're having just as many problems focusing and so forth and so essentially you're trying to find that balance. they tend to have slightly less bubbling adrenaline they tend to be lower in that but the dopamine still needs supporting but the amazing thing is these neurotransmitters are created by nutrition the building blocks of making dopamine is tyrosine which is from meat it's from eggs it's from cheese it's from nuts and seeds it's you know you need folate you need iron you need vitamin d you need zinc you need all these really important nutrients to make dopamine equally adrenaline to get that well balanced you need these like things like magnesium so all the foods that you know instinctively know have more nutrition in them will be helping so people often say exactly what foods should i be eating for this and that and i say eat nutrient dense foods the foods that you can look at know there's more nutrition in those foods than other foods so what i'm saying is instead of going for white bread or you know sort of beige kind of ultra processed foods go for foods like red meat eggs dairy, green vegetables, anything that's dark colours, bright colours, nuts, seeds, you know, pulses, olive oil, all the things that you know have a lot of nutrition in versus things that are slightly empty calories like crisps or whatever. What I love about the way that you're approaching this, Lucinda, is that it doesn't, I think what you're saying is we don't need to have a diagnosis for our child. In fact, if we're we're suspecting any of these patterns of behaviour, we can instantly act by looking at the sort of our children's diet and also at our own if we suspect that this is also a trait of of ours as well I guess one of the questions that I think probably parents are going to ask is let's say I've got a child that I suspect has got ADHD how do I begin that take begin to take those first steps in altering 
what I'm currently feeding them in a way that might boost that? What are kind of those first best steps I should be looking at taking? Well, as I said, dopamine needs tyrosine and tyrosine is in protein rich foods. So what I would, the first thing I would do is try and introduce lots of protein at breakfast time. So that might be a boiled egg to begin with. It might be some Greek yogurt. It might be some peanut butter. It might be some ground seeds hidden in the porridge. So it's getting lots of protein in and over time developing that breakfast to be mainly kind of good protein, good fats, and maybe some vegetables rather than too sweet. But a load of my recipes, because I know most kids, especially ADHD kids, are really drawn to the sort of beige crunchy stuff, is I make an awful lot of my cookbooks and my blog. Um, There are an awful lot of things like muffins and waffles and pancakes that look pretty beige, but inside them there are things like ground seeds and eggs and yogurt and carrot and courgette and all sorts of things but all wrapped up in sort of you know delicious beige looking things so people you know will the the children will be attracted to it because they're and they will get that dopamine rush but they'll also get the nutrition as well so it's trying to I think trying to get protein in at each meal and so often you know people say oh yeah I think I do that and actually what's happening is you're getting say some granola with some oat milk for breakfast, which is essentially all carb. And then for lunch, maybe they're just having you know, a jam sandwich, some crisps and a sort of fruit smoothie or something. And then for supper, they might be getting pasta with some olive oil and maybe a little bit of cheese or tomato sauce, but there's very little protein in there. And so it's trying to weave in additional protein. And it could be literally folding an egg into some mashed potato, using egg pasta rather than the sort of dried pasta, you know, little things to begin with if they're quite sort of particular or fussy about what they eat and sort of trying to get more protein in. And then once you've got more protein in is to then think about trying to enhance the vegetables and the fruits and so forth. Yeah. And I can vouch for Lucinda's cookbooks. I will, we will share the link. I have both of your books and cannot wait for the third to come out. And quite genuinely, there are recipes from your first and second book that even my eldest at 23 is still making all of the time. So I would highly recommend it. And certainly I found, I don't know if this is the case you think as well, Lucinda, is that if we're trying to get our children on a journey of altering some of the habits that they've got around foods that are not so helpful for them, that if we can get them involved in the preparation, that that can also make a big impact too. Absolutely. So I find that ADHDers tend to fall in two camps. They absolutely love food. They often become chefs. They're real foodies. It's something that really drives their senses. It kind of fires them up. It gives them a dopamine rush. They rather enjoy, they're quite good at sort of bringing together lots of different ingredients and bringing together and experimenting. It sort of works with their brain. But there are many who really, really don't like food at all. They find it very bland and boring. Very often, they're the ones that are low in something called zinc. And zinc is an incredibly important mineral for ADHD. It really helps with nervous system balance. It helps, basically helps to make acetylcholine and GABA and dopamine. And it essentially helps the body to regulate So it helps with emotional regulation, it helps with self-regulation, it helps with executive function. So all these things that so many people with ADHD suffer from, it can help with working memory issues, processing issues. So these things always often come together. And um, so, but what's really interesting is you're low in zinc, you don't make enough gastric juices. 
So that can stop you from growing. And many kids with ADHD really struggle with their growth. They tend to be quite small. And another thing is it helps to build appetite. And very often, you know, one side of the camp of ADHD, they're not at all hungry in the morning. They feel a bit sick in the morning. Um, It's almost like their bodies don't wake up till later on in the day. And again, getting enough zinc in can really help with that morning appetite. And if you're on ADHD medication, guess what? Once, as soon as you've taken that medication, you're probably, your appetite will drop quite dramatically over the day. So if you haven't eaten breakfast, then you're not going to eat lunch. And then you're going to be absolutely starving at sort of four or five in the afternoon. And that's where people are sort of seen as binge eating. But actually what they're trying to do is catch up with not eating the rest of the day. Um, So again, zinc can really help with that. And in fact, zinc really helps with side effects of medication generally. So it's a good thing to take if you haven't got on with ADHD medications very well is to take some zinc. Um, And that can be very, very helpful. But it also helps with a sense of smell and taste. And because it helps with the neurological system, it really helps with oversensitivity. So a lot of people with ADHD also have sort of hypersensitivity um, to smells and taste and texture um, and so forth. And so therefore that can really, really help with that too. So it's a super, super duper important mineral to know about. And when children are going through a growth spurt, then they need more. So this is where teenagers often are really, they sort of start to go downhill and why there are so many teenagers that get diagnosed with ADHD haven't gone under the radar before. It's because they're going through puberty, so they need masses of zinc to help them grow into men and women. Um, They also need masses of zinc to help them grow. They need masses of zinc also to stimulate their sense of taste and smell. So very often you start seeing narrowing of the diet. They tend to go towards all the ultra processed foods rather than the good quality foods. And then you start sort of seeing the beginnings of, I'm not saying eating disorders, but, you know, just like rigid, rigid eating. And that can be a big sign for needing zinc. So zinc is super duper important. You can see where instead of thinking, you know, what should you eat? with ADHD, it's thinking what might be going on inside, which is driving these eating behaviours. That's so interesting. So it's the fact that our what our children are doing is a result of what might be deficient within them. And then they're being drawn to those those types of foods because of it. So it's almost be, because of the deficiency, it's switched off those sort of gastric juices, those appetites. So they're sort of just eating the easy wins, you know, the crunchy, bland, sweet, you know, the stuff that's very addictive. Um, But what's a really interesting thing is another sign of low zinc is someone who is likes to put things in their mouths that are not food. So it could be constantly putting pens in their mouths or tissues in their mouths or chewing on their collar or their t-shirt. And often it's sort of rather wet and dribbly. Um, And another nutrient that you can produce this thing, it's called pica. A lot of people, when they're pregnant, go through this. They sort of eat ice and things like that. And they're sort of craving random things. But they've sort of gone off food, but they're on to other, as I said, non-food items. It's called pica, P-I-C-A. And this can also mean low iron. And again, iron helps tyrosine, which helps to make dopamine. It basically converts the tyrosine into dopamine. So if you don't have enough iron in your system, guess what? You're going to probably show signs or stronger signs of the ADHD. And during puberty, especially girls, 
you're going to be starting to menstruate. And of course, that's you're losing more iron through the menstruation than you would be. And so often we have these young people who, you know, I can see why they're trying not to eat meat. They're trying to, you know, eat more plant based. But a lot of those don't have very much iron in them. So what's happening is they're going through puberty where they need a lot more of the nutrient. They are then not eating that nutrient as abundantly as they should. And as for the girls, they're bleeding it out. So this is where their iron levels crash down and they go pale, they go tired, their ADHD gets much, much worse. And there can be a lot of anxiety and OCD. And again, once you get that level up, and unfortunately, I love the doctors on so many levels, but in terms of iron levels, they're not brilliant. So there's something called anemia. And anemia means you've got profound low iron. And there's a marker called ferritin, which is your sort of iron stores. And it should be between 12 and 400. And if you're below 12, so say you're 10 or 11, you'll be called anemic. And the doctors will do something about that. But if you're between, say, um, you know, between 12 and 400, they won't do anything about that. So essentially, it is thought, research has found that if your iron levels, your ferritin levels are over 70, so that's not even halfway, but, you know, we're looking at around 70 plus, that means that is when your dopamine is optimized, your energy is optimized, your immune system's optimized, even things like your hair, because hair starts falling out if you don't have enough iron. Now, at Nature Doc, we almost always ask for people's blood tests to see what's come up before, what's been checked, and very, very often ferritin has been checked. And without, I mean, literally 95 out of 100 times, we've got very low ferritin. So it's not anemia, but it's something like 18, 22, 25, 30. So it's kind of skimming along the bottom and it's just not enough to make the dopamine. And so often just putting in iron can change people's outlook dramatically in terms of mood, energy, focus. Because of course, what does iron do? It pumps oxygen to all your cells in your body, including your brain cells. Oh my gosh, that is just... That is, and I've I've heard that this issue around ferritin often with parents where they are literally just skimming around the edges with that. Is your, and I know that you're going to be covering this in the course, so let's talk about the course. So Lucinda's course is going to be, is coming out. It is a phenomenal sort of every bit of information you need in terms of how to support either yourself or your children, you don't need a diagnosis for this. So tell me, tell us all, Lucinda, about this course that you have for ADHD and how you're kind of tackling that. Yes, so it came about because we did a number of local workshops. Um, I've done a few with you in the past, but specific ones on ADHD. And they were sold out within a couple of hours each time. And we felt we needed to reach more people and we were getting inquiries from all around the world for this. So we just felt we needed to get this into an online course content so that it could be shared with more people and more people could be empowered and educated. Um, so it's going to be, we, we, we've just been doing the recording. So it's six to seven weeks, an hour a week. And it will be really going into the deep foundations of nutrition. So things like the importance of zinc and iron, the importance of the gut microbiome, the importance of something called omega-3, how to build a pantry, you know, how to build that ADHD pantry so your kitchen's really full of all the good stuff, how to tackle things like fussy eating, how to cope, you know, if you're having problems with medication, 
we've got a lovely part of it is part is with a brilliant integrative psychiatrist who will be giving his input on the sort of integrated both medical side and nutritional side together we're also going to talk quite a lot about genetics and how dopamine is made um, and norepinephrine so there's a whole load of different areas and i think what it's there for is to help anyone who's curious about nutrition who may have been dabbling about the idea of seeing someone like Nature Doc for their nutrition, but they're not quite sure, or maybe they can't quite afford it um, because it does involve various tests and they just want those foundations because they feel they can do something about it and they just want knowledge. They want to be able to, you know, whether they're medicated or not, sometimes they're not coping with the medication, sometimes the medication's not enough, sometimes they've decided not to go down the medication route yet. Sometimes it's because you can't access the medication, you know, there's, there are shortages. So people are looking for things to help with their emotional dysregulation. They're helping with their ADHD burnout, as I said. So all sorts of aspects of ADHD. And what we're offering is a community. So everyone on the course will be able to have a sort of online community where they can ask questions and really learn from each other. And also we're going to be doing a weekly Q&A um, for everybody on the course so you can bring in questions and I'll be there to answer them so you will get my individual input and then we'll also be offering one-to-one -one support from one of our ADHD coaches within the NHDOC team so that if you've got a, a specific roadblock that you want to get over then they will be there for you so that's really how we're structuring it um, it's really exciting so we're, it's sort of like everything you need really supportive in terms of community but also individual support yeah and all in one place and I'm guessing Lucinda if I feel that actually just my child maybe is not focusing as much or that they're that maybe I don't feel that they're optimized in terms of their nutrition then I'm also guessing that I don't I don't need to even be thinking necessarily about that ADHD diagnosis I I will benefit a lot from the course anyway absolutely so if i was a child of say a little you know two three four year old who was just finding it really difficult to sit still quite hyperactive quite sort of volatile mood etc and you're thinking could this be it i just you know i just think it, the earlier you start the better and you know it's just only going to help your life because you're going to get better sleep you're going to get better mood you're going to you know all of these things are so important I just think it's all about family harmony. And so everyone can work together and find their own stride rather than, I think a lot of families literally walk around on eggshells around their child because they're so volatile, because the anxiety is through the roof, they can't control their emotions. And I think that's the biggest problem and why most people would come to see us. It's either kind of, they're just terrible appetite, very fussy eating, or it just could be this incredibly volatile mood, or it just could be they're just not achieving at school. So, you know, they're really falling back or behind compared with their peers. And obviously, you know, we've had lockdowns. We've had all these things in the way. And I think a lot of people say, well, shouldn't we wait to see whether they catch up? And of course you can. But, you know, feeding your children better is only going to be a positive experience. And you might learn a thing or two about, you know, just little hacks in the kitchen of how to make things a little bit more nutritious. Yeah. And I, you know, putting those preventative things in place, 
is ultimately going to be much easier and much more effective than this sort of watchful waiting, which I think is quite often, um, certainly I come across with families where they've been given this sort of, let's just do a bit of watchful waiting, just means that you're just you're just sort of kicking the can until later on down the road. Whereas actually, if you're doing the preventative piece, you feel empowered already. And I'm guessing fundamentally, the outcome is going to be much better if you if you if your focus is preventative. I think, yes. I mean, you know, who knows? Everyone's got their own trajectory in terms of their health and the way their mind works. Um, But as I said, it's all about trying to iron out those really high ups and downs, you know, those really volatile moments and making the day easier for everybody, because that's usually why people are there crying for help. You know, I mean, a child, this is why, you know, so many lovely young girls get missed and with, you know, there's a big thing about masking these days is because they're often, you know, the ones that are academically quite able and quite quiet are missed for a long time. And so this is because they're not causing the problems in the classroom. They're not causing the problems at home. But even those ones, I find the little girls are often perfect angels at school, but then completely blow off as soon as they get home so it's the parents that see the different side of things and so often they'll go back to school saying I'm really worried I think my child's got a mood issue or ADHD and they're going no child's absolutely fine at school Um, and I think it's because they've been trying to keep their stuff together you know and they've been you know just this is what children do is they do their best to be well behaved but then they just it's just too much and they explode and um, I certainly saw that with our kids. And, you know, it was something we had to really manage that sort of after four o'clock um, time. And I think a lot of it was about feeding them really well. And a number of our families, what they've done, especially if their kids are medicated and they're not necessarily eating very much lunch, is to almost give them a massive meal once they get home at around 4, 4.30 rather than to wait until supper time and then give them another meal later because that's usually the most fractious time. It's almost time when they're most hangry and they need the most nutrition. And so that's what a lot of people end up doing is they do sort of two main meals or such um, or they do a main meal then and then a snack later. But, you know, and it really depends on, you know, some just, you know, just homework is just too overwhelming to do because they're and they just need a lot of decompression time. And the nutrition can really help with that. But also there are other lifestyle things that you can do too with the decompression. You can have, you know, you can have weighted blankets, you can jump around a trampoline, you can do deep breathing, you know, you can listen to gentle music. There are all sorts of things that you can do to kind of decompress too. But I think if you've got enough food in your system, then it's going to be easier to decompress. Yeah, and I think that the course is just going to be packed with all of this incredible advice and this this support over the journey as well. You know, it's just so exciting. We will be sharing all of the details on this because I think it is such an incredible um, course that if you are have any sort of little irks or inklings that, you know, some of these character traits that Lucinda has described for us, which let's face it, is probably a lot of children that, and it's your two, three-year-old or even your eight, nine-year-old, I think putting these uh, strategies in place with the incredible support from Lucinda and her Nature Doc team will be amazing. Lucinda, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. 
as always, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I certainly don't think it'll be the last time we will have you on. We will get you back again very soon. Mohan, it's been an absolute delight. So wonderful. I love catching up with you. We've always done great workshops together and it's just lovely to be back on the podcast again. Thank you.